welcome to episode 21 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I am Monica. And I'm Courtney. <laughs> Today is Thursday, August 8th, 2019. Thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something that you put on repeat. Welcome back, Courtney. Thank you. It is very good to be home. In the fog. Yes. That was a huge relief to come home to fog. I think it was 98 our last day in Rome. So I was ready. Yeah. I was ready, more than ready. <laughs> in fact, when we landed in Frankfurt on our way for the to the big flight up and over, Frankfurt was 72 that morning and I was just immediately <laughs> like, okay, I'm good. We can just stay here in Frankfurt. But yeah, I'm really glad to be back in 62 degrees. It's a big, it's a big it's job. It's a difference. And so we'll talk about that more. We'll do sort of an on the road within on the table. Um, but for that, we will have on the needles, on the easel, then we'll do on the table, on the nightstand, and then we'll do a little bingo catch up. Sounds good. Off we go. <laughs> Off we go. On the needles. I am a very, very bad knitting podcaster. <laughs> so when we last spoke, not us. You and, you and Kelly, Kelly did and an amazing job. It was so fun. That was fun to do. So anyway, yes, I had a sleeve and a half to do on my sweater and a quarter of a foot and two heels on Simon's socks. Neither of those are finished. So I don't know what I've been doing with myself. I think I don't even know. Going out and doing things at night and not knitting. Well, that's um, fun. But I am down to, on the Flaxlight sweater, I have maybe a quarter of a sleeve now, so I'm very close. I'm still doing the sleeve decreases and then the cuff, and then I will be done. And I tried it on, and it seems to be fitting lovely, so I'm excited about that. So that will, well, I said this last time, <laughs> I think I really mean it this time, it will be done by the next time the podcast. Well, it's not like it's not necessary. Yeah. No one's, yeah, I, I mean, maybe you're judging me, I don't know. I'm not. Good. I'm, I'm judging the, myself. I'm the last person <laughs> to stand in judgment of unfinished sweaters. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And then the socks. So I finished the toe, but the end of the foot and the toe. So both of them were done and I just had to do the heels. So I was working on the heel and I got it finished and I had Simon try it on. And he was like, oh, this is great. What's this flap at the back of the heel? <laughs> And it's, it's probably half an inch too big. So oh. when he pulled it tight, it made this little flap. And he's like, is this a design thing? Or I'm like, <laughs> no, that's just called wrong. So I just need to, I don't need to rip it out all the way. Just pull it back and then are, are some heel Are some heel portions like a double knit or a different knit or something to make it more durable? Oh, you can. Um, I mean, there's a ton of different ways to do the heel depending on how your foot is shaped it'll fit better or fit mm. worse so for this one i just it's like basically like doing a toe so when you're it's, it's a shape it's, sorry, a it's called an, thing yeah it's called okay. an afterthought heel it's not a true afterthought heel so this what you do is you just knit the sock and if you were really hardcore you would just knit the sock and then cut where you want the heel to be. I am not that hardcore, so I put in waist yarn, which I can then take out, pick up the stitches, and knit from there. So you do a decrease row on both sides of your heel, and then a straight row, and then decrease. And you can you know, mix it up however you need to. 
I need to add in more decreased rows so that it decreases faster because I it was kind of, I guess, too pointy for his deal. Okay. <laughs> he, he was super, super supportive about it, though. He was fully <laughs> convinced that it was something I meant to do, which, no, that was not what I wanted the heel to look like. So I, I need to fix that. But I want to take a picture of it at first because it's so funny looking. Oh, good. So I need to do that, and then I can rip it out and fix it and then fix the other one. So those should be done. Um, and I worked a little bit on my Hermione's Everyday Socks because we've had doctor's appointments. The kids are heading back to school soon, so I'm trying to get everything done before they are busy, busy, even more busy. Amen. Yeah. So. Amen. We're back to school. <laughs> no, we're so close. Next week and then the week after. We just spent 23 quality family days together, yeah. so <laughs> you're done. You're yeah. done with that. Um, so yeah, that's all my knitting. So I've been trying, I have been trying to think about what I want to do next in terms of sweaters, because I'm going to finish up a sweater and a pair of socks. So I need, I guess I don't have a shawl or a scarf on the needle, so I could cast that on, but I really want to just focus and finish these. Yeah. So I think I want to do, I think I'm leaning towards my Descent cardigan. That would be fun. It would be fun. And I got the yarn for that. For me to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I got the yarn for that at Stitches, so I've been wanting to do that. That's the main one I'm leaning towards right now. We shall see. For Mother's Day, Simon got me a yarn kit for a Rainbow Wings shawl. So I want to do that, but then to get the pattern for that, I joined it's a mini skein club, so where you get a pattern a month. Oh, fun. And it uses mini skeins, so like multicolored, or you could use leftover yarn as well. Um, so there was a really cool pattern that used two sets of contrasting mini skeins. So she had one that was like grays and then maybe blues or something, and so you would match up the two dark colors and it would be polka dots and it's a cowl and I found yarn in my stash for that so I've been thinking about that as well there's just so much to knit yeah there is and there's read and everything everything crafting all the things we shall never be bored no I don't think so so that's where my <laughs> knitting is I apologize for not having anything new Next I time. don't know who you're apologizing to it's just I know well and it was funny because at your own stuff I know uh, but we were talking about this at the retreat, the knitting retreat that I did in April, and people were saying there's a couple of other podcasters, and they always they feel like they need to have new material, and I'm like, oh, I don't care, like whatever. I'm yeah. just listening to you chat, but I still do feel mm-hmm. like yep, it's real. The same rainbow sweater, yep, still working, endless gray. <laughs> we'll be done soon, I promise. So, okay, on the easel. On the easel. Well, the easel has been portable. If yeah. you will. I had a lot of great intentions to fill up several sketchbooks on our big adventure, and that didn't really pan out. However, I would like to report that I finished the 100 day project in the Dolomites, which was pretty awesome. Hooray! Hooray. I had one drawing that I did on the airplane that. I was not happy with it was the black house and I didn't have the right black paint and I tried to use the watercolor uh, graphite and it just it didn't it didn't come out the way I wanted and I'm only upset because it was like my 99th image you know if it had been like 46 or 72 (laughs) it would have whatever but anyway I'm the only person who cares about that One interesting thing 
that I noticed straight away was I had made these watercolors. I made a watercolor set and a gouache set, a palette, dry, mm. dry pans to take with me. Very portable, no trouble with the airports because nothing's in a tube, so they're not going to question oh, it. Right. I had made these these palettes and I had printed out the materials, the chemical material. Oh, okay. What was in them? Yeah, in case I had trouble with uh, TSA. Mm-hmm. And I actually printed out the TSA thing saying that watercolor paints are, you know, totally safe to travel with. And so I was hoping that having covered my territory there, the paints wouldn't get confiscated, which was my number one biggest fear. Oh, yeah. So I would feel that way about knitting needles. Absolutely. I had made up my palettes. Neither one of them were 100% dry. After, I'm not kidding, like a week of sitting out in my studio here in San Francisco. So they were still tacky. It was foggy that week, though, when we left. Well, yeah. totally. They were still tacky. I had tried to, like, <laughs> hair dry the top so that the top would be at least skimmed over and, you know, mm-hmm. hold the paint in. So instead, I packed them completely horizontal. Mm-hmm. And was really careful about how I put him through security. We get on the plane. We're over Greenland or probably not even that far. And I opened up the paints to do a little painting on the plane. Within 20 minutes of opening the palettes on the plane, they were completely dry. Because oh, it's so dry yeah. inside an airplane. Wow. Which made me think about my skin, you know, my eyeballs, everything. Yeah. It was just really remarkable wow. how fast they dried in the plane. So anyway, most of my artwork in on the trip was in a sketchbook. And it was mostly pen. Just uh, line drawings, you know, when I was waiting... For the boys to look at something or to go on an extra loop, I would just pull out my a little sketchbook and a drawing pen and would just draw on the spot. So I wasn't even really using my paints except for when we had like an extended couple hours someplace. Right. And then I was more just adding color to the line drawings that I had done. So not so much painting, but I did draw nearly every day. So basically, I came home with two sketchbooks, a hardbound one with maybe 10 paintings, little paintings in them, and then a softbound sketchbook, which has lighter weight paper, which is nearly full of, oh, yeah, inky street drawings, which I'm super happy about, even though, I don't know, I felt like I was really comfortable with a pen and paper out on the street. Like that just felt really good. Plus, when I came home, you know, I'm working on a huge pen and ink drawing of El Capitan. I had talked about about it before we left. And I didn't finish it before we left. We had a little design meeting and she wanted to change the perspective a little bit. And we made some adjustments to the font, which it's my handwriting, my, Mm -hmm. you know. And so she asked for something a little bit different. And so I said... I need to do it when when we come back. And they still there's still plenty of time, but I was hoping to do it before we left. Doing the ink work in Italy 
has been like a really comfortable, you know, I'm using that same pen. Oh, right. And so um, when I came home, it wasn't as much of a transition to be, to jump back into the pen and ink of the, right. of the mountain. And what, on the way to Italy, I watched that free solo documentary, oh, yeah. which only richens the experience of drawing this mountain for them. So that is nearly almost done, which will be huge. And then I am switching over to... How big is it? Oh my gosh, it's 30 by 24. Wow. It's pretty big for me. Yeah. It's pretty big for pen and ink, if yeah. you ask me. But... Yeah. Cool. yeah, I'm excited. And then I have two compositions which are not painted yet. They're just drawings right now that I'm really excited about. And I feel like they're going to go, they're going to take me off in a sort of a newer direction or maybe a new series. So maybe I'll talk about those next time when I've had a little more time to ink them up or um, paint them out. Sure. You know, they're just pencil sketches right now, but we'll see. And then I got to get to going on this Christmas card. <laughs> I mean, it's August. it's August. Yeah, obviously. And I'm feeling the pressure because I was, you know, I have big plans for a Christmas card. And I still have this story that I want to write. So I don't know if it's going to be another chapbook or if it's going to be like elaborate fold-out thing. or. I mean, I have big expectations for What's coming in the mail, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You best get on that. I, I plan on You don't it. want to let me down. <laughs> Very upsetting. Absolutely not. Yeah. So. That's it for now? Yeah, I think That's I'm good. still getting, I'm still a little bit jet lagged. Um, the boys go back to school roughly next week. I do, I do have, I think, nine new Italian paintbrushes Ooh. that I get to drive around, so I'm pretty excited about painting with those and and seeing seeing how they interact with the rest of the paintbrushes and <laughs> bring them into the fold yeah see if they become a favorite in some ways I hope not because they're really hard to get your hands on but mm. you'll just have to go back or, or invest heavily in shipping mm-hmm. fees yeah yeah and hope yeah. that the postal services cooperate and there's a lot of factors there yeah well, hopefully the new brushes are accepting and it yeah, all works hopefully out. they play with, well with others. Yeah. Four of them are oil brushes. If that gives you any indication about where I want to go this fall, maybe back into the oil paints cool. a lot, a little, a lot. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right. On the table. What have you been cooking? Uh, all the vegetables. Oh, good. Been very interesting. I've been definitely going more vegetable heavy. My new thing is to kind of do some sort of salad. I think I had talked about trying to do this. So and making that my focus, um, and then building the meal around that. You know whether it's adding some chicken for the boys or tofu, whatever way I need to go, or, or if the salad is enough as a one dish for Simon. So kind of starting using that as a starting point. Kelly had talked about the corn the charred corn succotash from smitten kitchen every day that she made Mm -hmm. and i was so inspired so i made that and it was beautiful i have to say i did not char my corn it was one of those things like oh i'll do it in the middle of the afternoon and then because soccer practice has started up again so Uh, as it does does it take a long time to char corn on a gas burner yes okay so i started with one of them and it just was taking 
a long time. I said, yeah, no, I don't need it to be charred. So I just cut it all off. Oh, uh-huh. I see what you're saying. You charred the thing on the cob? Yes. Oh, sorry. So you, Because yeah. I was saying, when you said I started with one of them, like one kernel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've got it on a toothpick. Putting it over the flames. No, you char it on the cob. So you could do it on a grill. Or if you have a gas burner, you could do it on that, which is what I was trying to do. You're supposed to use four cobs. And then it was kind of awkward holding it. I couldn't figure out if tongs were the best way to do it because I didn't want to burn myself. Could you put it right on the open flame? I guess, but you'd still have to move it around. I have... I, I mean, have it's like, either a circle or star-shaped. I mean, my, my burners yeah, are I have a I have a griddle that runs down the middle. That rhymes. Right, right. Oh. In between the four burners. So something like that is what you'd need. Yes. Yes, I see. So, it, but basically it was just taking too long. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> I just punched Monica in the arm and she nearly fell off her chair because I just realized what epiphany. Yes. I have that griddle in the middle of my stove and I've been complaining about the bingo sheet that I can't grill. I can grill on my stove. All right. Yay. <laughs> Sorry for the. It's fine. No, good. I'm so pleased. <laughs> I'm going to grill some corn. Yes. Let me know how it is. It was delicious without the charring, or I had, you know, maybe two or three charred kernels. It was really taking forever. Um, <laughs> and then you mix it with, I'm trying to remember, green beans that you've kind of steamed and blanched, and tomatoes, and then you make, it was it involved, like a vinaigrette, but it involved fish sauce, so it wasn't, it was definitely not a traditional succotash. Yeah. No lima beans. I always think of there being lima I beans. always switch lima beans for... Yeah. Edamame. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Because I hate no. lima beans. This Does anyone in the world actually like lima beans? I have no idea. Ugh. I don't know. I guess I've probably tried them at some point. Anyway, so this was delicious. My big kid was not home for dinner, but everybody else really liked it. Uh, Dash, I think, went back for seconds. So that's always a good sign. For the boys and I, I grilled chicken breasts and threw some barbecue sauce on. And then Simon got tofu with barbecue sauce, which seemed to, you know, round things out. Do you make a lot of tofu for him? Not too much. He he doesn't like to eat it all that often. Mm. I mean, he likes it, but just you can only serve it so many times. Right. It's like chicken. (laughs) We could eat chicken every night, to be Uh, honest with you. But yeah. Um, And I think he gets it at work a lot. So okay, I try and minimize the tofu situation. But it is something that the whole family will eat. So yeah. It does get put in there. Um, so that was really good. And that's from the Smitten Kitchen Everyday Cookbook. It's an so, award winner, people. It is amazing. And then I did Zucchini Quesadillas last night, which is Ooh. from is a new one, I think, on her blog. So oh, I saw those. Yeah. And they were really good. So you cook the zucchini for, you slice it up and cook it for uh, like 15 minutes. I mean, a long time. So it gets all super soft and Almost caramelized. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, you know, typical quesadilla. I think you throw some lime juice in there. Yeah. So, and that was actually, I was going out. So I did the zucchini and then I made one for myself. And then my guys were able to, they can make quesadillas on their own. So, and there was um, a slaw that went with it, the basic coleslaw that you threw in a little bit of hot sauce as well. And then I also did, and this was sort of getting back to the 
kind of prepping New Year's goal. Yes. One night where I roasted a ton of cauliflower and tomatoes, and then we served it with pasta. And then the next night, um, I added it to a rice bowl with mushrooms and zucchini and a curry sauce. And those were all kind of ideas. Oh, and with the pasta, we also did pesto and the cauliflower and tomatoes. Um, and that was from the Cook 90 cookbook, which I've talked about before. Okay. So that was really good. And it made a ton. And so I had tomatoes and cauliflower for lunch and leftover pasta. Nice. And then we had leftover rice. And so it was a good combination. I was worried it would seem too much the same, but the curry sauce made it different. Anything okay. else? No desserts? No desserts. I've been not at all. Did Alaska. We had so many desserts on the cruise. Mm. So I, I know the felt, feeling. And I'm still kind of getting back into the rhythm of everything. Because we've got the soccer happening, and then we've got sailing during the day. And yeah, I'm still coming off of the vacation. But I did want to say, because we had talked about produce boxes. Yes. And we got a recommendation from Tamara for eating with the seasons, mm-hmm. is what she goes. And I am picking up my first box <gasps> today. So I did a month-long, it's a every week, month-long trial subscription. I mean, you pay for it. It's, of course, yeah. But, um, but then they don't automatically keep charging. So I figured I would start with that. They have four sizes of boxes. So I'm starting with the small, just to see how much we need, how that works for us. And I like it because you get points for each size, and then you get to go in and choose what you want, and each whatever is a point. So a pound of zucchini is a point, and a basket of strawberries is a point. And you can order extra stuff. And so they had a lot of variety, and they had a couple of unusual things, and they send you a newsletter, what's in season, what's coming in. So yeah. Excellent. I so can't I, wait to hear more about I it. I will report back. But she said she had tried a bunch, and this was her favorite. Is this one that you you venture out and pick up, or do they bring to you, or pick up? Okay. But the it's like three blocks away. Oh, good. So I feel that I can handle that, make, manage that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just have to remember because I had no, they sent me and they sent me an email this morning to say, "Remember today's pickup day." I'm like, "Oh, good thing. I do have it on my calendar." But yeah, until I get into the rhythm of it, I do need a reminder. Sounds good. That's, that's what I've been cooking, so yeah. Well, we have not been cooking all that much, but, but we been have eating. been eating. <laughs> you know, we've been home for a couple of days, so I have cooked a few things at home, and actually exactly two aside from roasted chicken, but I came straight home and made some Riccarelli cookies, mm. which we had only once in Siena, and I was really sick in Siena. It was a so hot. I didn't really get to enjoy them when we were there, but they're one of my favorite Italian cookies. Which one are they? I mean, I saw the picture. Well, the Ricciarelli ones are great for you guys because they're gluten-free. They're made with almond flour. Oh, I just bought some almond flour at Trader Joe's. Excellent. I didn't know. Oh, I'm going to have to try their almond flour. This recipe that I had from Bon Appetit includes lemon zest, or Mm. sorry, orange zest, which is very Italian. And then it's egg whites, oh. is what oh, so it's sort of binds of like it all a together. Meringue, but with almond flour instead of yeah, they have a sugar. wonderful. There's plenty of sugar in there. Oh. They have a wonderful crispy exterior and then a very soft oh, interior. So kind of like a macaroon. Yes, like very much like like a macaroon, maybe a little more 
rustic. Okay. I love the flavor. They're they're pretty light. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have sugar in them, but you know it's egg whites and flour and almond flour. So yeah. it's they're pretty um, delicious. So I made those. And the recipe said that it would yield four dozen, and it made 11 cookies. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I followed this thing to the T, the mm-hmm. capital T, in fact, because it said like two tablespoon balls on the, you know, of dough on the sheet. Yeah. And it still made 11 cookies. So it's very different. From- that's a that's a big difference. They did get bigger. Yeah. So maybe, I, I don't know. Excellent recipe, though, and I would make them again and just times it. And then I also made the warm cauliflower salad from last time we talked, last time I was on, we talked about Flow Magazine, Mm -hmm. and they included a recipe in this quarter, and it was this great recipe called warm cauliflower salad, and it has a Worcestershire sauce dressing. Oh. And I might tweak that just a little bit next time. I could have used more Worcestershire mm-hmm. in it. Wonderful salad. It's chock full of roasted vegetables, cauliflower, broccoli, red onion, plum tomatoes, ro- plum Roma tomatoes. And then what else was in there? Oh, bread. It's kind of like a panzanella. Oh, but with cauliflower and oh, yeah, but it has tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. And the bread too. Oh my gosh, it was so good. That sounds delicious. So I've eaten that the past two nights. That's it. That's all I've cooked. However, that's pretty good. You haven't been home that long. We have, I have a list of highlights and I won't malinger here. Ooh. In the Dolomites, everywhere we went, they served on the breakfast buffet mm-hmm. an entire honeycomb Oh, that you could just spoon like a chunk of honeycomb out oh. of. Uh-huh. They also had this, that region of Italy is... Originally, Ladin, L-A-D-I-N, okay. is that pocket in the Dolomites. And they had a Ladin muesli, which is mostly yogurt. And then the muesli that's mixed into it is so finely ground that it it's mm. it feels more like baby cereal, but boy, is it delicious. You know, it's just like really smooth. Mm-hmm. They also had impeccable apple strudel at breakfast every oh. day. I can get on Love board with Love the Italians. That. That's, I think, part of the German influence. And along those lines, the pan-roasted potatoes Mm. were a huge hit, partly because we had just walked 13 miles up a mountain, and so all you want is potatoes and sausage. Then I completely binged on anything that was black truffle, tagliatelle, risotto, you name it. Seems reasonable. All the pasta was amazing. I taste-tested off my kids' plates nightly. (laughs) The bread was mostly for conveyance, like for wiping your plate afterward. You know how here you get a basket of bread and you fill up before your meal even arrives? Yeah. Guilty as charged for me. But there, the bread comes with the meal and it's like a third utensil, basically. So that was fun. All of the baked goods were amazing. The sfoliadella, you know, that's the clamshell shaped pastry it's like layers and layers oh, and it's yeah. really hard and inside is like a lemony ricotta filling the ricciarelli cookies which are gluten-free they that had these my dessert that i'm gonna make they had these giant palmiers which were much thicker than the french version you know okay. the palmiers are shaped mm-hmm. like that 
which was my kids were my one of my kids was crazy for. The other thing that they had was squash blossom everything. It was that was their seasonal risotto pasta. Well, you know, I don't know because zucchinis. You know how persistent zucchinis are, but I think that this is how they prevent themselves from being overwhelmed by zucchini is they just eat the squash blossoms. It's thrown into salads and pastas and it was sort of everywhere Hmm. and beautiful, really beautiful. Um, Then we had the big debate. There was gelato. Mm -hmm. There was granita, Mm -hmm. which is like an icy. Right. And there was mousse. Like you'd go into a gelato shop and there'd be a hundred flavors of gelato and then like 45 different mousse flavors, which is a lot like the mousse recipe that I shared last time. It's just basically flavored whipped cream kept in a cooler, like super cool. It was amazing. I mean, they had chocolate and Oreo and Nutella flavored and um, berry flavored, which was gorgeous. Amazing selection of mousse choices. The problem is, is it was like 98 degrees. And so I stuck with watermelon granita for most of it because it was just so oppressively hot. And my guys would get a gelato and then like a scoop of mousse on top Mm. or, you know, just decadence upon decadence upon decadence. So that is my, my Italian food tour. That sounds amazing. (laughs) We had so many great things, but those are the highlights. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right. On the nightstand? Where are you at? What you reading? I finished Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oh, I am still in my romance and (laughs) sci-fi. I did hear that. I was laying in the air-conditioned room listening to you (laughs) and Kelly talk about your books. It was so good. Uh, yes, so I'm still in that. I think I have come out to the other side of that, uh, but we shall see. But most of the ones that I have read are all actually sci-fi, uh, fantasy sci-fi. Anyway, this one is Romance, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. This is the one with the son of the first female president having a romance with uh, yes. the grandson of the Queen of England. Granddaughter? Grandson. Oh, it's... Yeah. All right. It is very modern. So it's interesting. I mean... It was kind of typical, except that both of the protagonists are the prince. I mean, one is technically a prince, but the other one, if you're an American, a first child is going to be pretty well known and kind of a rock star. You know what I mean? I do. Right? Like people are going to follow them. They're going to be. So that was part of the part of the drama. And obviously, if they were just two dudes, no one would really care. But it becomes such a huge issue because of because of who they are and who their parents are. But it was super fun. They were super sweet guys. Their siblings were, you know, the, the family around them. There was a really cute scene where the um, first son tells his mom, he's like, works up the courage to tell his mom. And she's like, okay, there's a lot we need to process here. And we need to talk about some stuff. When he was coming out? Or when, uh, yeah. or when he Well, okay. saying I'm interested in this specific guy. Okay. Who, by the way, is the prince. And are she, they are they both known to be gay at the beginning? No. Of, oh, okay. He... And so the first son specifically didn't realize, and he realizes that he's bi. So because he had a string of girlfriends before, and the prince had known forever that he was gay, but had never 
been able to vocalize it, to do that. And that was part of it, is that people within his family kind of suspected, but his grandmother was like, you need to get over this. This is not okay. This is not what this family does. You know, so it was really sad. He felt all this pressure. But anyway, but so he, the first son tells his mom, and she's like, okay, I'm clearing my calendar. Come back in an hour to this conference room, and we're going to talk. Talk this through. So he comes back. She's got a PowerPoint presentation of all the issues. And the first one is like, this is great. I'm so happy that you found someone that you are really into. However... This uh, is how it's complicated. This yeah. is how it's complicated. And he knows all the <clears> stuff, but she's like, we just, I just, this is, and he's just laughing because like, you don't become the president of the United States without being organized in some way. And that was how, he was like, this was just so my mom. Like, this is how she does it. Starts off like right now, the beginning of the book, and then it's going through her re-election campaign. So, you know, up to next November. Getting together was a little tricky because they didn't think they liked each other. And then they get together and then you know something's going to drive them apart. It was really, I was so, like, you could tell what was going to happen. But when it happened, it was so awful. Like, you felt so bad for Monica. It was, it was, I love this book. And then the end of it was so, like, hopeful and beautiful and totally just a traditional romance where you know there's going to be a happy ending and they get their happy ending. And it was really nice. I really liked it. Good. Um, And then I read Sorcerer to the Crown. And then I read The True Queen. Are they... Um, These are fantasy. One and two? They're more companion pieces, I would say. They are one and two. But the second one focuses kind of on different new characters. And the original characters are more background. So um, they're by Zen Cho. Regency. So early 1800s. There's magic in England. Of course there is. And women are not allowed to practice magic, although... Their magic, and everyone knows that, but the, the ladies of the higher classes do not practice magic. It's very light and fluffy and rom- and kind of a romance, the first one. And then the second one is there's two sisters who wind up on the shores of an island in the, near Indonesia. Okay. And they have no memory. And anyway, they end up in England with the main character of the previous book. Anyway, they're delightful. Total fantasy. Really cute. Very English. Okay, so that was fun. And then I finished listening to The Dark Forest um, and started Death's End by Cheshen Liu, translated by Ken Liu. And this is the sci-fi Oh, the series. one Simon recommended. That Simon recommended with the aliens coming and the first one you don't know what's happening. And humanity basically realizes they have 400 years to prepare for the alien arrival. What are we going to do? And the aliens are really advanced. They've locked down... They've locked on our ability to advance in the sciences, and they know everything we're saying. Humanity's one trick is that they can't see in our minds. So if you think something, they don't know that. And they, when they think, whatever they think, like, appears on their forehead or some, some, something or other. So they, they don't have any private thoughts. They can't be stealthy. They can't, like, have spies because everybody can see what you're thinking. But humanity, as long as you don't say it or write it down... They don't know what you're thinking. So, Weird. Yeah. There's a lot of science in this book. It's definitely sci-fi. The parts of it I'm listening to, I'm like, um, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, okay, sounds, sounds science-y. This is audio? This was audio. Okay. And it was really long. I think it was like over 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Like I kept checking, three more hours, okay. But it was really interesting. So what humanity decides to do, they pick four people that are called wall facers. They are supposed to come up with strategy 
and they have the power to say, hey, I need you to do this, and people need to do it. I mean, as long as it's not like, hey, go kill Joe Bob, or right. whatever, within reason. They don't have to explain it, and in fact, they're not supposed to explain it. So figure out a grand like strategy. Diversionary well, they're supposed tactics? To, or? No, they're supposed to figure out a way for us to defeat the aliens. Oh, without, these four people? Yeah, on their own. So, because because the, as long as it's within their head, the aliens don't. But know do they work on. together? No. Oh, they're on their own, and they each have different specialties. Like one guy was a South American war leader. One guy is a Nobel Prize winning brain scientist, and the main guy. They're not like stay at home moms or coffee baristas. Oh, no. They're they're no no <laughs> okay. Not to well, and that was actually something that really annoyed me. Is all four of those people were men? I'm like seriously, mm, yeah. You don't have a brilliant woman. One of them, his wife, she had helped him in his research before and had her own branch of research, so she was involved, but like she wasn't the main person. So they're working on that, and then the secret organization that is devoted to making sure the aliens come to the world and destroy us because human humanity is useless assigns a person. To each of the wall facers that is supposed to figure out what they're thinking and ruin their plans. Huh. So there's a lot of drama. There is one guy who he's a university professor, but he's like, what is going on? Why? I don't want to do this. I have no idea. And they're like, mm, okay, you're working now. And he can't get out of it. They're like, yep, that must be part of your plan. <laughs> and it's driving him crazy. And he's like, all right, fine. I want a house. <laughs> a big house next to a mountain and a lake. And they're like, okay, good. Let's do that. Um, it goes on from there. And then that was in the Dark Forest was interesting. It had kind of a resolution, but I knew there was a third book. I mean, it wasn't entirely resolved. It was yeah. resolved enough that you could feel like, okay, we're done now. But no, there's another book. So have the aliens? The aliens haven't landed yet. The main ship has not landed. Probe has come and mm -hmm. caused great destruction. Yeah. And it's interesting. And they also jump to like 200 years in the future because oh. humans um, can hibernate. So we figured out how to do that. Oh, so that's good. So, that was, so these four people were like, they could put plans in motion because we have 400 years. So they were able to put plans in motion. And then while things, they're like, okay, this is what needs to happen. Wake me up in 100 years. <laughs> so, um, so they end Weird. up waking up in 200 years. So it's, it's, you know, he has a whole vision of how society will have changed, what it will have gone through in those 200 years, where basically everyone is expecting that the world's going to end. Um, and how does that affect people? And how do they change? And it was so that it was there's a lot of really interesting non-sciencey stuff, personal relationships. And um, so I'm enjoying it. I'm okay. diving into book three. And then I just started reading There There by Tommy Orange, which is... I've really only read the first chapter, so I'm not even entirely sure where it's going to go. So from the description of the book, I think it's told in multiple voices, and it takes place in Oakland, California, so just across the bay from us. And it's a gathering of local Native Americans at some kind of ceremony, and they're all coming for different reasons. I think there's a kid that's going to perform, and so his grandmother's coming to watch, and then things are going to happen. Yeah. We so. read this with book group. Oh, okay. So, I won't. Did you, was that before? Like, have you talked about it on the podcast? No, no. It was before then? It was, well, it's been maybe a year and a half. Okay. All right. Well, we will come <clears throat> back to it next mm -hmm. time. 
Okay. And that's it for me. Have I, oh, books to TV. Circe. Ice is coming to HBO. Yeah. And I just realized there's a book that I love, The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. And Stars has made it into. My guys liked that. Isn't that a series too? It has a the second book. book. Yeah. But it's the same thing where the main character in the first book is just sort of a secondary character. Uh, There's a new main character. I didn't like the second one as much. I really liked the book. My husband has definitely read that, and I think my older son has read. Okay. And I started one. reading the series, or sorry, watching the TV show. I watched the first episode. I wasn't blown away, but I kind of want to see where it's going to go. But it made me want to, of course, start rereading the book, even though I have 50,000 library <laughs> books that I need to get through. I can't find my copy. Oh, I'm a little sad. But let me know. Nobody, so nobody can do anything about that. Uh, how about you? Well, if there's one thing about travel is that it does afford a little reading time now and again. I took, you know, my plan was to just take like a book or two and then read whatever my family members dragged along. And so my book was Cold Mountain by Charles Fraser. Oh, had you not read that? I had never read. Oh. And when my friend Kelly was here, she said, what? You've never read Cold Mountain? It's one of my favorite books. And so I found it at the thrift store based on our bingo, like thrift some books or borrow some books. And so I took and read Cold Mountain. And it was a great book to take along on a trip, mostly because the the main character is on a journey and is suffering setbacks and is thinking back in time. And it was just a really beautiful, internal, character-driven book. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And then I think I traded it for a book in Venice. You know how when you go to an Airbnb and you take a book Mm -hmm. and there's books there. And so I picked up a different book, which I shall not name because I hated it. And I promptly traded it for something Mm -hmm. else in Florence. In Florence is when I got a little food poisoning. And so I didn't really read. And then my husband finished his book, and he had taken, and this is a huge departure for me, Stephen King's new book, The Outsider. And so I read The Outsider while I was sick, and that was totally different for me. Very interesting. And it's based on this Mexican, like, folklore of this kind of boogeyman who comes and eats children, or something like that. And so I had never book. I had never heard of it. I'd never heard of this genre of I guess it's pretty popular. They base a lot of movies off of it, but I had never heard of it before. And the book was not super scary, but very well written. And it kept me kept me reading, kept me entertained. And then I stole Fahrenheit 451 from my younger son and he was reading it for his summer reading Mm -hmm. and I have read Fahrenheit 451 before it's Ray Bradbury and I I think I had read it maybe in high school maybe once in college I can't quite remember it was very interesting to reread that kind of dystopian book again and thinking about the power of books and if you've read Fahrenheit 451, you might recall that the wife of the main character, she lives in this like alternate reality in her home where she has a room, the living room, 
where three of the walls are basically like TV screens. And she talks to the people in those screens like they're her family. It's it's very like virtual reality mm-hmm. or like Black Mirror-ish. Yeah. You know that series? It's so creepy. And that was what was most profound this time for me was mm. reading that and realizing we're not that far. We're, right. we're sort of there. You know, you can talk to people on screens. And so that was that was pretty interesting. I was able to talk to my son about that for his for his writing for his written summary of it so those were my three main reads I did have some failure to launches along the way and then I'm now smack in the middle of Call Me Zebra and the author is Azreen Vandervliet Ulumi I think I've got that right that sounds right and she is an Iranian, or the main character is an Iranian exile who is a lover of literature. She is on this epic quest of exile. And she is the last of her line. The only thing that she loves is literature. And I think that is not without merit. I think what's startling is that she can't even, she's so she has so given up on the world she's seen a lot of violence in her youth because of her time in a very war-torn country and now she just she can't see beauty that's in front of her she it has to be on the page and I think that that's what's really startling about this but it's a good follow-on to the Ray Bradbury Mm -hmm. in a neat way and she keeps mentioning Don Quixote. I have never read Don Quixote. Have you? I started reading it, but I don't think I... Yeah. It's it's a brick. Yeah. I've never read it. I don't know how I missed it along the way, but it's another book that's on the 8th grade lit project list for my oh. younger son. So I bought a copy, and it came... And it was, I swear, it's three and a half inches thick. I'm going to read Don Quixote because this book keeps mentioning it. And then my upcoming book from Book of the Month Club, it likens that to Don Quixote. Hmm. So I feel like the universe is telling me to pick up Cervantes and make a go of it. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thank you. All right. Bingo. To enter, you must post a picture of your bingo card with a completed row, or the whole thing, and fill it all in, but just a row, horizontally, vertically, diagonally. Uh, Post your picture on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR, Summer Bingo 2019. And if we are not following you, please also tag us to make sure that we are able to see, or I guess you could send us a direct message, or however, make sure that we acknowledge yeah, we want to see, see what you're doing. Um, you do not have to post pictures of whatever you're doing, completed objects or books that you've read or anything, but we do love to see the pictures. For sure. Yep. And I don't think I've done anything, although I feel like the sock, once I fix that, will kind of fix it. Absolutely. I'm fixing a heel. Well, let's see. I was able to do my thrifted book. Or yep. no, no, no. Yeah, I did pick up some books from the thrift store and read them. But the book recommendation, so instead of a book recommendation Mm -hmm. from myself, I just crossed it out and put my friend Kelly in there and did Cold Mountain. Perfect. And I 
I'm really excited to cross off that finished, finish a work in progress when I finish the El Capitan drawing. Oh, okay. I definitely drew on vacation, so that's my middle one. Oh, yeah. Because I for sure didn't cook. I read, but... And then, what else did I have? One more. Uh, the warm cauliflower salad had a the Worcestershire sauce, and I'm counting that as my sauce, and I feel very relieved... It is a sauce. It's not really a dressing because it's all warm. It's a dressing. I'm cheating. Oh, okay. Well, no. Oh, because you did make the sauce to go on. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I thought you were saying the Worc- you were counting the Worcestershire sauce as a sauce. I'm like, you didn't make that. No, it's, but you it's put like it in the sauce. That's eight good. different ingredients oh, yeah. and you do it in the food processor. So oh, yeah. it's more than a dressing. And, <laughs> no, that's a sauce then. And I'm really happy to walk away from our podcast knowing that I can grill in the smack middle of my stove. So exciting. I was just dumbfounded. It's right there. (laughs) I almost pushed you right off your stool. (laughs) It's very dangerous, this (laughs) podcasting business. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah, so I guess that's it. I need to do some bingo stuff. I gotta get back on that. You also need to like come up with a mini skein and maybe a cute little pattern that you can tuck into this gift box. Okay. Because you've been working away. It it's got representation from every other thing we do. And nice. I was super inspired mm-hmm. by our guest co-host last time. Yes. With all of her beading. Yeah. And that makes me want to put some kind of little beading project in there because oh. I don't talk about that very much, but I make a fair bit of jewelry. So nice. I am so inspired by her her beading craft stuff, and I'm going to put something along those lines into that prize box. I'm Excellent. telling you, it's people. Gonna, it's going to be amazing. You have a month. Yeah. We have a month Less left. Less than a month. Sort of. September 2nd. Yeah. Plenty of time. So, yes, but you do need to post a picture. Take a picture. Post it on Instagram. Yeah. We want to see it. Hashtag. Do it. All right. So, until next time, make sure you do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.